Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome to episode 17 of the Spider Scoop Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Noah Goldberg with ESPN Richmond, and I'm joined by struggling Charlotte Hornets fan. More importantly, writes about the Spiders for A10 Talk, and that's Austin Daisy. Austin, it's been a minute. We missed you on the last episode. You were uh, living up big time over down in Myrtle Beach. How's it going, man? How's the trip? Good, man. I think I might have turned into a part-time beach bum. I haven't really adapted <laughs> to being back home yet, but we're moving along. School's getting closer to starting, and hopefully that means college basketball is getting closer too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We've seen, uh, you know, schools, like you said, schools are starting up. All my friends are back down at school. Um, I think I mentioned on the last episode to people I talked to you, but I'm actually home for the fall up in Boston studying remotely. Um, most most people did go back down to campus, which is which is good to see. And luckily, I know that I believe they only had two positive COVID tests of all the – that's the initial results of everyone returning. Um, so that's that's a pretty positive sign when you have that many kids coming in from all over. Um, you're getting ready to go back to work, right? You guys, the school's starting up uh, over there. Yeah, we uh, we start on the eighth. We're going in person, so we'll see how it goes. And obviously, hopefully, everything goes well. And if that goes well, give us college basketball. That's kind of going to be my whole my whole mantra through this entire podcast: is if we can make mm-hmm. this happen, we can make college basketball happen. Yeah, definitely. And I think we're definitely going to speak on that a little bit more lately. We're definitely want to dive into some of the different scenarios, but you will expand on it more. But I think you and I can both agree in some capacity there's there will be and should be college basketball. Um, I think we do need to start the show off, of course. Uh, this happened a couple of weeks ago, but I haven't had a chance to mention it. But um, longtime PA announcer, the Robin Center, Mike uh, LeVay, uh, passed away. So, you know, thoughts and prayers go out to, to his family. He's done a great job for many years. Um, just one of those kind of really distinct voices you kind of enter the robin center and he has that deep like baritone voice here come your spiders and it was always really cool to enter um so definitely won't be the same going back into the robin center um with a different voice yeah no definitely growing up in richmond he was actually if i may be wrong but i'm 99 percent sure he was actually the announcer for the richmond renegades the uh minor league hockey team we had here and just growing up you you'd hear his voice and he'd have the whole renegades goal. It's yeah. just something that kind of sticks with you. And yeah. so, yeah, no, it definitely will not be the same. Um, so, yeah, so definitely thoughts and prayers um, with him and his family. Um, again, he, he's a Richmond icon. Yep. 
2020 20, once again, just strikes doing again. its thing. Another strikes again. So, so thoughts and prayers again to his family. Um, so we had a little bit of recruiting news we should catch up on. Um, actually, as we were starting uh, just before we recorded this, of course, four-star recruit Eric Reynolds, who was uh, really high up on Richmond's list, and I know they were deep in, in conversations with him. He recently committed to A-10 rival St. Joseph's University, which is interesting considering the kind of steep drop-off they've had um, in the past couple of years, especially, you know, after guys like Crush Kimball left, obviously a coaching change happens in. And uh, just like that, they land a four-star, and, you know, maybe they, they get back to where they were. Yeah, there, there aren't many schools in the conference. I'd be happy that this happened, too, that Richmond lost out on a big-time recruit. But if it had to be anybody, I'm okay with it being St. Joe's, just because when people think of the A-10, you look at the early 2000s, you look at the dominance that they had mm-hmm. in this conference. They're, they're kind of a staple, and – to have them kind of maybe be back on on the mend and trending upwards is just positive overall for the conference. So, yeah, honestly, if Richmond has to miss out on a recruit to anybody, I'm kind of glad it was St. Joe's just just for that reason. Yeah, definitely. And it's nice, too, to see, you know, obviously true to his word when, you know, obviously I had a, I had a chance to chat with him and he had some some high major offers coming in. And, you know, he all, all talks and everything indicated that he really didn't care. You know, he really was just kind of feeling the, the Richmonds and the St. Joseph's and those schools. So good on him. We're seeing a lot of guys do that right now with a lot. That, 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 major that speaks a lot on what could be happening with St. Joe's and that program. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm, I'm actually I can say I'm genuinely OK and happy that he chose an A-10 school. Yeah, definitely. Um, so kind of continuing with the recruiting news, we had, you know, a couple of days ago, an offer goes out to Aiden Noyes, um, 2021 prospect. Um, so kind of some background on him for, for some of the listeners maybe who, who don't necessarily keep up with the recruiting and stuff. Uh, he's about 6'6", buck seventy-five, so he's a light, tall wing. Um, he's a long, athletic guy. He can shoot off the dribble really well, uh, put the ball on the deck. Uh, he went to Archbishop Moeller High School. I, I think it's in Cincinnati, I believe. Um, so. It's where Jackson Hayes played, so it's a, it's a good program there. Not a not a overly not a heavily recruited guy, but um, I don't know if you had a chance to watch any tape on him. He gave me really heavy Connor Crabtree vibes. Yeah, no, I saw a little clip of him, and he seems super athletic. Yeah, Crabtree would be the best comparison I would draw to him. And yeah. I'm at the point now; I might be in the minority here, but I'm at the point where if Chris Mooney goes after a guy. I just have complete confidence that this guy's going to fit the system and he's going to be able to run with, with the best. And again, you see me wearing, wearing a Virginia shirt. I'm telling you, the Tony Bennett vibes are strong with Mooney lately, and he just yeah. gets guys that that fit the system. And yeah. he's not worried about going after the five star guys. He's going to get the guy that's going to work work the best with this guy, and just yeah. piecing it together. So I don't question a thing that's happening with the recruiting, and I I couldn't be happier with it. Yeah, and I think, you know, we don't have to look too far back to talk about if we want to talk about long athletic under-recruited wings. Obviously, we have Tyler Burton, who, you know, we it's, you know, too early to say that that was a, you know, a gem and diamond in the rough because he's only played one year and we have to see what he becomes. But, you know, we've seen that. Yeah, there's a track record of, you know, him basically having success with these under-recruited guys. And it goes across the conference. Like Obviously, you know, Obi Toppin was a was a zero-star guy. Um I could get some hate for this comparison, but I, if you take it in the right context, like even a guy like Matt Grace, like, yeah, I, I don't think he had any other division one offers. So I'm not saying he's this phenomenal outstanding player, but when you brought him in, right. Like, yeah, it could be a detriment to Sal to say that, you know, Sal, who was the higher recruit maybe has kind of lost his spot to Matt, but at least at the same front, like 
he's taken an under-recruited guy like Matt Grace and made him decently productive on the offensive end. Can give you, especially this year, I thought made strides, give you serviceable minutes. So, so he certainly Mooney is really in these last couple of years, I think, developing a track record there with those. So I think we both agree that's pretty encouraging. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, another guy, I know they recently had a, had a Zoom uh, session with Gus Larson, another 2021. Um, that's a really interesting uh, recruit for them, too, because also a somewhat under-recruited guy. Um, I, th- I think he's ranked like 20th in New England. Uh, he's, so he's 6'10", and uh, on one site they had him listed as a guard slash forward. I mean, he's a, you're 6'10", you're a center, sorry. Um, yeah. I don't, I, I really, they're, you're not, they're not going to come in and put you at the three, especially at Richmond where no. we're not getting seven footers, but, um, he was, he's interesting if you watch some tape on him because he'll, he'll put the ball in the deck. He'll go coast to coast with you. Um, you know, they'll really let him dribble the ball. I'm interested to see at the college level, how much that happens. Cause I don't care your handle. Like we all saw the miles Turner videos in the off season where he's like dribbling in lifetime fitness in New York. And then he comes into a game. He's still a post player. So yeah. I don't know if at the college level, we're going to see this guy you know, running pick and rolls per se with a ball in his hands. But, but it's nice to see a dynamic player like that, someone who, um, you know, he can pass really well, a little bit similar to Grant. So, so that's an intriguing guy to keep an eye out for. No, definitely. Especially with how you look at the NBA and how much it's evolved over the past couple of years, you have guys that are seven foot and you hit a three. I mean, 15, 20 years ago, you say, you say that and like, what are you talking about? Yao Ming can't shoot threes. Like, so it's just a different ball game. And yeah, no, I'm excited to see what he can do as well. Yeah, definitely. So, so there's the, obviously there's you know a lot of other guys. You know, Zach Hicks um, actually just announced today his his decision is coming up uh, September fourth. That's a guy they're really deep into into contact with. Um, so, another good wing that they can have. So, not a ton of recruiting news lately until until this last week. Um, but it, in the next couple of weeks, it's going to heat up. Um, but yeah, like we talked about kind of earlier in the pod, you know, students are coming back to campus now across the country. Um, we've seen UNC and Notre Dame, I believe, already sent kids home after about a week. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's an interesting case because I think I, – I don't know what the Notre Dame regulations were, but I know UNC had very uh, lax restrictions on their students. I mean, they really had very few in terms of what they how they can socialize. It was kind of just on the students. Um, so obviously as a student, regardless, you should know better than, than to throw a party during a pandemic. But regardless, um, they didn't handle it very well. Um, but like I said, you know, Richmond only had two positive tests. So it's been going really well for them since they've all been back. Um, what What is your level of concern with a lot of these schools just as students come back? The athletes have all been on campus all summer. You know, what's your worry level of reintegrating the rest of the student body and how that's possibly going to affect college basketball? Yeah, no, it, I mean, it has a huge – it's a direct impact on if college basketball can happen because if these kids come back and they're just walking into a classroom – and obviously, you know, college kids, you, you can't tell them not to party, not to do stuff. That's, that's going to happen no matter what regulations are. And again, I've noticed I have siblings that are at a college in Virginia, Christopher Newport, that, I mean, they're sending kids home left and right for breaking whatever violations there are. So, I mean, they're, they're taking it serious. And if it continues to happen, there definitely won't be fans for college mm-hmm. basketball, but the more and more this happens, the more it puts the season in jeopardy as a whole. Yeah, and I'll, I'll give Richmond credit too, because I already know within the within the first week of uh, students returning, they actually sent a group of freshmen home for throwing a dorm party. Um, I think um, I, I think uh, Nick Sherrod talked about this over shout out to the Big Guard podcast um, over they're doing a good thing there with Grant and Bryce, but the audacity to be a freshman 
and I'm stealing how he described it to think you're tougher than a global pandemic as like an 18 year old kid. And it's your like fucking like third day on campus and you throw a dorm party. Like how did you get into Richmond to be that idiotic? Like, especially like, you know what the rules are, you know, what's expected. Why, why are you going to go do something that stupid? Obviously Richmond is not a, not a cheap school to go to. Yeah. I'm sure we've got some unhappy parents right now, but yeah, I mean, just be smart. Don't, don't do anything stupid. Yeah. I talked to my mom about that. I was like, mom, with spe- especially like you said, it's not, not exactly a cheap school and you're not getting housing. Yeah. Money. It's like, what would you do if you drove me 11 hours from Boston in a global pandemic? You're out, you're staying in hotels, you're in different states, move all my shit into this dorm and you're going through these protocols and testing and, and waiting and quarantining. And then after a week, I get fucking sent home. Uh, and yeah, I'm not no, back. Like she that, would, she, she was, she's like, she's like, you'd be like fucking paying for school. <laughs> yeah, that, that's so, not a happy parent. Yeah, no, I, I can't even imagine that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that that'll be interesting to see. But I think that, um, you know, hopefully, I, it's all about the testing. It's really, I think the schools that test the most are going to do the best, and I think that's interesting because Richmond doesn't seem to be testing unless you have symptoms. We've seen a lot of other schools. You know, I know Cornell and like Northeastern, they're all testing kids like once a week or, or every other week. So that'll be interesting to follow. But but hopefully it doesn't have a huge impact regardless, because it, according to Rostein, I think what we've all kind of assumed is that there would be some sort of delayed start. We know Rostein put out, you know, a November 25th or December 4th as two likely start dates. So hopefully, you know, whether it's a bubble or whether they just wait till winter break starts, whether kids get sick or not, hopefully you're starting the basketball season with kids back at home again. So that could be a potential advantage of not even having to worry about that. Yeah. Um, um, it's kind of crazy that, you know, 2020, we're looking at John Rothstein as our, our number one go-to guy. Um, as we know, he's, he's kind of all over the place, but um, yeah. No, I, man. Yeah. He definitely the scoop man, but um I just really, really hope we can get this rolling at least, you know, right after Thanksgiving as we head into December. I think that would be a great time to kind of get things rolling, especially with um, what, again, as I just talked about, and Rothstein put out the thing about these um, potential bubble areas mm-hmm. as, as we get past Thanksgiving. So definitely a lot of, um, a lot of possibilities. And, again, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, um, you know, we, we can both agree that there's too much money involved in this for there not to be something like as after Thanksgiving, something, I don't know what it is. Something's going to happen with college basketball, but I think in particular, those start dates that he put out 25th and November 25th and December 4th, they actually are really telling because around then that's basically like right after Thanksgiving. Um, those, those dates are pretty much like right around when most colleges and universities are ending their first semester. So I think that it's really, and also a lot of schools, a few schools have actually also said that they're canceling fall sports through new year. So that is an interesting kind of cog in this, but, but bottom line is that they're not saying new years, which a lot of us were thinking is going to be like finish the semester conference only after new year. So I think the fact that those dates are a right after the semester ends and B well before new year's, indicates there's going to be some kind of non-conference play. Oh, yeah, it's mu- much more promising than here in January 1. Because you hear January 1, obviously, forever, that's been mm-hmm. when conference play has started. So to hear them finally be like, okay, well, we might be able to start this in November or December, mm-hmm. it gives me much more positivity to think that yeah. we might have some non-conference games happening. 
Oh, I muted my mic there. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, there's no way to tell what it's going to look like, how they're going to decide who these opponents will be. Is it going to be a whole new non-conference schedule? Is it going to be a deconstructed of their current? Um, I thought it was interesting. I think I'm sure you saw the that proposal that it was Rossi Karen, an event coordinator in in Houston, sent out, but basically proposing a non-conference bubble to bring 20 teams into his arena and saying that this could be done with a lot of like, this wouldn't be the only one other people could do multiple bubbles, basically bring 20 teams in, split them into 10 divisions. And it's like, they just have, they knock out eight non-conference games. They all play, play each other. Um, so I think that's an interesting discussion, but I, I, I'm a little concerned with that. And I think it may be the only thing you can do, but you just got to hope, you know, with a lot of these big games, Richmond has, you know, like Colorado state and, and obviously Kentucky, you know, we didn't even have to need to talk about that is if you do these do these bubbles, is Richmond going to get left out once again of those big chances, which is why I really think the preseason hype this year is going to be really big for them. Because if they can get into these top 25 and all these preseason polls, maybe they get included in a bubble with in majority high major teams. Because, you know, they're going to get really killed if at the end of the day Dayton is, is the best team in their bubble or if we want to go non-conference like they're playing in a bubble with Charleston. Like, like they don't – like that's not helpful to them for making March Madness at all. No, 100%. This, I actually saw something the other day about, like, the thoughts of a bubble in Richmond. And you look at the teams around here, and obviously you'd have Richmond, VCU. you throw Longwood in there. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe Virginia gonna, Tech gets tossed in there? Yeah. Obviously, I, fe- I see Virginia going. They would go somewhere a little bit bigger. But I, I could yeah. see Tech tossed in, and that would that would help a little bit. But seeing the bubble – again, like with just the Richmond area teams would be absolutely non-beneficial for yeah. Richmond basketball. Because again, you'd be playing, you'd be playing the Hamptons and ODU's teams yeah. that we should be beating. So yeah, no, having no non-conference schedule outside of the bubble would, mm. it, it would kill Richmond's chances of an at-large bid and what we don't really know what an at-large bid will be anymore because we don't know how the season's going to play out. We don't know how the committee's going to look at whatever season we have. So now, especially with all the hype Richmond's getting, we need to play Kentucky. We need to play Colorado state. We need to play these high profile um, schools in order to, to generate what we need to get into the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there's a reason TBT moved they're regional from Richmond to DC because as much as Richmond and it really was a fantastic like I think everyone will agree even TBT would say it was a great venue when they did it in Richmond but at the end of the day DC has more exposure it's closer to big schools like obviously like Georgetown's there um so you know it's 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 just logistics like it's as simple as that um it's interesting interesting like how you mentioned that you know what is an at-large bid going to be because it's going to be such a different season I'm interested do you think there will be net rankings this year or do you think they throw that out and they're going to have a whole different system or maybe it's just going to be a committee selection? Um, do you think they're going to use the whole quadrant system? You know, since net rankings are so new, I think mm-hmm. they might be okay with, like, setting those aside. I wouldn't say they would get rid of them. Mm-hmm. But maybe, you know, just this year it's completely different. Just kind of mm-hmm. set those aside and just come up with some other – because, again, if you're just playing teams in within a 100-mile radius, it's going to make a huge difference on those – there's net rankings because Richmond's playing Longwood two or three times. That's obviously going to bring that way down compared mm-hmm. to playing. Like we talked about the Kentucky's Colorado state, the high profile non-conference games. Um, so now me, me personally, I would not mind seeing the net rankings kind of 
sitting back for this year. But I per- last year I liked them, but mm-hmm. I guess this year it's just completely different. So maybe put those yeah. aside this year and come up with some new type of ranking system and just move from there. Yeah, I agree. And because I think a big part of the net system, too, is that a lot of your it's, it's like in football, right? Like a resume building win. Like you beat a team at the beginning of the year and then it's like, oh, what does that win become for your resume? It's yeah. the same with the net, right? Like your win, like that Wisconsin win earlier in the year, obviously, I'm pretty sure it was a quad one win throughout. But just as a resume booster, like mm-hmm. like that obviously increased in stock throughout the year. And the same could be said for a lot of these net wins that they changed to go up and down. We just saw the Davidson net ranking go from a quad two win to a quad one win. Um, yeah. because it was on the road and they were top they ended up being top 75 so if you have whether it's a condensed season or whether it's an altered season if you're playing less non-conference games that's less time for these these net rankings to develop and for them to change kind of to settle in so i think if it's a smaller body of work you need a, a system that's adjusted for that because the net system isn't designed for that so I, I agree with you i think they should set it aside um and, and also in college basketball news the original American gangster, Will Wade, has been stated that he did, in fact, uh, he did participate. He gave out uh, impermissible payments to 11 LSU recruits, as we all know and are very aware, especially thanks to uh, the VCU fans dressing up as FBI agents last year, that obviously Will Wade was a head coach for, uh, for some time at VCU. Um, a- a- any comments on that? Any uh, care-, care to pick fun a little bit? Uh, yeah, no, I do find it funny that all of a sudden, like like you said, the VC fans dressed up as the FBI agents. Do they all of a sudden think that Wade was a hundred percent clean at VCU, and then goes to LSU and just mm. does whatever he wants? Like a lot of me thinks some of this stuff happened while he was at VCU. Mm. Um, obviously, LSU is a bigger school. Um, people are dumping money into the program, but mm. if he's going to accept that stuff there, why wouldn't he accept it? at VCU. So no, Will Wade, slimy dude, don't trust him. No, yeah. I, I think it happened when he was in Richmond. Yeah, I'd be, I think it probably definitely happened when he was in VCU. I'd, I'd be really shocked if anything came of it or if the NCAA started investigating VCU over because at the end of the day, they're going after the players that are involved in it. And I don't think Mike, I'd be, Mike Rhodes, I don't know, I, I say the type of guy because that's such a bad thing to say. Like it could be anybody, but I, ha- I really doubt that he's going to get caught in some recruiting scandal like Will Wade was. I don't see him as that shady of a guy. But I think it did probably go on. I think the NCAA probably cares more about the current players and what they're doing now. And at the end of the day, Will Wade's at LSU now. So yeah. they're going to go after them. Um, it is interesting. LSU can actually get out of this pretty okay because they did change his contract. That allows uh, them to fire him without – he can't sue them back. So I, I bet you he's gone. Uh, in the near future, but yeah, that would be interesting to see a takedown at VCU. Part of their uh, as part of their recruiting scandal, that'd be kind of funny. Uh, you'd hate to see it. Yeah. So, um, wrap kind of get getting close. We're not wrapping up yet, but we got some uh, got some questions in from from the Twitter, from the interwebs, the online digital channels. Uh, that we're gonna talk a little bit about. Yeah, we got we did get some good ones this week. Um, you want to, you can read it off. It was sent in to you. Uh, do you want to start for the first one from who's at Atlantic team? I would, but my computer is currently not connected to the internet. So mm. if you, you want me to read it, it off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Atlantic team sent into Austin. He asked, uh, what if there is no season? This is the most promising Richmond team in a decade. What happens if you cannot play your senior year? If offered an additional year, do you accept it or begin your pro careers? And now like when I re- initially read that tweet, kind of made me sad just thinking that 
that that's a possibility that it might not happen. Um, obviously, as a college grad, as I was nearing the end, I could not wait to get out. I was so ready. So I can't mm-hmm. sit here and say, oh, no, they've got to stay. They've got to stay. Look, I get it. I was in college. I was ready to get out. I was ready to get on with the real world. But um, mm-hmm. looking at this Richmond team, again, he hit the nail on the head. It is one of the most, if not the most promising teams the school has ever had. I mean, mm-hmm. with what they had last year heading into – what should have been the A-10 tournament and a potential at-large bid. And obviously it hurt, hurt everybody, um, but especially Richmond, who had kind of been definitely flying under the radar for a while, finally had a year that they felt, all right, this is the year we break through. We're going to have a solid run in the A-10 tournament. We're going to hope for a good run in the NCAAs. Um, so, yeah, looking at next year, five seniors starting potentially, um, it would – it would absolutely suck to see the season mm-hmm. go, obviously. I mean, there's not a single person in the country that doesn't want college basketball to happen. But you look at Richmond, there are not many teams. I'd love to know the number of how many Richmond team, uh, how, many, how many college basketball teams have five seniors coming back. Because I'm sure yeah. it's got to be under five, Definitely. if that. So to see that potentially slip away and have these guys pursue something different, which again – wouldn't knock them for whatsoever. I get it. Mm-hmm. You go to school, you get an education, you're, you're going to pursue what you want to pursue. Um, mm-hmm. But as a fan and just following the Richmond basketball program, it would, it would be an absolute heartbreaker to see this season slip away again and have some of these guys um, move on. Yeah. And I think it's especially kind of the caveat of last season getting cut short was kind of a, at least they finished, you know, through the regular season. We got to at least have that special regular season, but also it was kind of B, we always fell back on, at least in March, where I, all right, like this is canceled, but like at least we know we have next year. All these guys are back. So that would really suck to have last year end like that and then have this year, you know, get cut short or, or not happen. Um, would you personally, if you were on this team, whether let's say you were one of the redshirt seniors, you're in your fifth year, so you've already graduated college, you're probably 23 or turning 23, would you personally – come back if if offered a, a sixth year or would you just kind of be ready to go pro and start your career now if I was playing a division one sport I would a hundred percent say yes I'm coming back I want to see what we can do because that's something to me the rest of your life you would it would be the what if like mm-hmm. what if we all stayed what could have happened what could we have done and we've seen it we've had Cinderella's make it to the final four and Who's to say this team doesn't have the potential to make it that far? So me personally, again, I didn't play a sport in college. I was just ready to get out and graduate. But if I had already graduated, I didn't have to worry about any coursework, and my job was to play basketball, I'm all in. Yeah. So so I kind of have an interesting interesting like take on this. So I, I know that – like I talked to Keith Otto before, who obviously was at Louisville last year, and – totally different like obviously he's a walk-on he's not a guy that's playing but I asked him this I said because obviously it was really special for him this year to go from being a four-year walk-on at Richmond to still a walk-on but having a chance to compete for national title that was something that was really you know exciting to him because originally as we talked about he was more looking at lower d1 some d2 schools where he could play like his plan was to leave the play so the, yeah. the the attraction of Louisville was being able to play for championships so losing that I said you're in your fifth year you've already graduated if Louisville said to you, we'll bring you back for six year, you have eligibility, would you? He told me no. 
So he, he said, because with these guys, whether even for him, a guy that's not playing pro, like he's just like, by the time you're 23, man, and you've been in college for five years now, you know, you just want to get on with your life and you've got things you want to do. You've got to make money too. You've got to start a career. You have to start saving up. Um, he said, it's just, it's just a long time to be in school. And, you know, as much as the media and, and us, you know, we, we make a lot about tradition and stuff and tradition and wanting to play college basketball, you know, most of these guys don't dream of, especially more so probably now than in the older days, but these guys are dreaming of playing in the NBA. These guys aren't dreaming of playing college basketball. Uh, we see that at the highest level with, with this G league team where guys are skipping out, forget mid majors or skipping out on blue bloods. Um, so I, so I don't think the idea of yes, like college, I want to see what we could do. Not that it shouldn't, but it doesn't play as big of a factor into these guys as we necessarily make it out to be. Um, but, but I did, I did, I mean, you just got to look like four of these five seniors, all of them other than Gilly are turning 23 this school year. I've yeah. talked, I, I've got a source that I talked to who told me, I, I was actually shocked by this. There were a few guys that actually considered leaving who are on the team now that considered leaving their after their sophomore year to go pro in Europe, which I was kind of shocked by. And even he told me that even another guy right now would leave right now and forgo this season if offered a pro contract in Europe. And that that was made difficult because of COVID. That's kind of why it was harder to get offers and stuff. But, but to hear that was really astounding and eye-opening to me on their thought processes, because like we said, there's so much that's been built up into this season, what it could be, this team's potential. But they, it's just, just hearing it's like they're old, they're 23. Like these guys are just ready to move on with their lives. So I think it sucks. I would really love for these guys, obviously, to come back as you would. But, but at some point you do have to move on with your lives. So long story short, to answer your question, Atlantic teen, I do not think that any of these guys would come back for a fifth or sixth year uh, if offered. I think they're just ready to move on with their lives. And, and at the end of the day, it's like they got to make money. They're, they're working a full-time job. They're making no money. If, if, you know, name, image, and likeness comes into play, I don't know if that changes something where they can make money. Um, but at the end of the day, they can't make money because they're NCAA athletes. They can't go get a job to make money because when they're not in the classroom, they're playing basketball. So they don't really have time. Um, so, so as much as it sucks, I may have a gloomier take on it, but, but I don't think any of them would come back. And it would really suck. Like we said, the season could be crazy. Um, moving on to, to Marco's question. Marco asked, how does Connor Crabtree mix into the rotation this year um, along with the three freshmen? Do you want to start off with that? Yeah. Um, again, I think I've said this before. It's a good problem to have to where you have to worry about what your rotation is going to be. Because, I mean, this Richmond team has some serious depth. And with adding Crabtree and seeing what Tyler Burton is capable of, Mooney and the staff have a very difficult decision ahead of them with seeing what do we do. And, again, this year we might not have the games against St. Francis and teams like that to kind of tinker with. We might, we might start game one against Dayton. So – it's going to be more difficult than ever this year to kind of see how the rotation plays out, but I can see Crabtree starting off and again, coming off of injury hasn't, hasn't played with this squad, but again, he's a smart guy. He understands the system. I could see him coming in 10, 12 minutes a game just to kind of get his feet underneath of him. And especially with the freshman we have coming in, um, Andre Weir, again, just big man. I see him and Grant, potentially obviously not splitting minutes but 
Andre coming in for a, a decent chunk of, t- chunk of time just to get his to get the feel. Um, again, college basketball is a different animal um, than high school basketball. But no, I'm excited to see what Crabtree can do, and I hope I hope he can find his way to um, be a huge impact on this team. I mean, obviously everybody else feels that way as well, but. Mm-hmm. I think he's got all the tools to to be a Tyler Burton type player. I, I like to think him and Tyler are very similar. They're super athletic. They, I mean, they're just all around solid basketball players. So I really do think Crabtree could, could come in and have some solid minutes this year. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think he'll definitely have solid minutes. Um, I think he's probably still behind Burton and Goose um, um, on the bench. Maybe, maybe even behind Matt Grace, just because. You know, whether we don't know if maybe this changes if Andre Weir suddenly just kind of kind of takes off, but it kind of seems like Matt Grace is is the the Grant Golden reliever uh, to this point. We really saw that progress, um, especially you know later in the season last year. He really kind of kind of glided into that role. But I think you see Connor kind of get those. I, his minutes will be separate because that's a whole different ball game. The, the center backup minutes and Grant obviously plays less minutes than the other four starters. So I think Connor's probably after Burton and Goose. Um, I think you could definitely see him, you know, if he gets really comfortable, because let's not forget um, it's his first year playing, but he's been with the team for a year. Um, so if he gets really comfortable, you know, especially without Woj, like Connor's probably your best shooter off the bench. That's the thing we've, the thing we've really sh- seen them struggle with when the reserves come in is, is scoring. Cause we've seen, you know, I think Andre progressed from his freshman year three point shooting, but he's still really not a consistent catch and shoot guy by any means. So I, I think if Connor can do that, if he can like D up, if he can just three and D for you, I could see him end up getting 15 or more minutes, but, but I wouldn't anticipate that to start. Um, I see him more competing, you know, cause I think Andre's obviously playing the point more and, and Connor would probably be more for the Blake backup as, as kind of that athletic scorer um, shooter. So, but yeah, I think he'll be behind those guys. And, and as you said, like, as far as the freshmen go, like we've talked about this before on here, like Isaiah Wilson obviously is incredibly talented, but, but like, look at last year with Tyler, where Tyler had like, like the potential and the talent and the flashes were just so obviously there. But Mooney had such an experienced team; they were playing so well. There's no reason to force feed Tyler into it. Like they they didn't need to do that. And now, and, and we saw him, and like people were complaining at times where it's like people are just begging for more Tyler minutes. And I think there's a real argument to say that there were cases where he probably should have been playing more. But at the end of the day, I think we're all going to say the way Mooney handled Tyler last year. We No one would change it. I think we all think he did a good job. So I don't see any reason for him to take a different approach with not one but three freshmen on a more crowded, older, more experienced team, especially in a weird, altered, condensed season where experience and chemistry are going to mean more this year than they ever have before. So, so a guy like Wilson, obviously, is, we know he's kind of the heir to Gilly. He's going to study under him, but I don't think he's going to get a ton of minutes. I could even see him you know, playing less than five minutes a game, uh, to be honest. Um, I think, you know, we've talked about before, like with Andre, just because he's a big who just really fits their mold. He's got soft hands. He can pass. You know, I've said on here before, I think they could kind of use him very situationally, like that Jimmy Bell thing I talked about. Um, so if you're playing a bigger team or a team that struggles with physical physicality and low post play, Maybe he gets more minutes that night. So, so I think he will get the most minutes out of the three freshmen. But I don't obviously we I don't think his ceiling is the highest. Um, and then and then Jai is kind of the wild card. So like, like you said, you know he's he's cleared to play now. He can fully come back. Um, you pointed that out earlier. Maybe it was before we started recording. Um, so that that's a guy that obviously is a really good wing scorer. Very I think probably a similar player to Connor. And I think it just goes back to yeah his his ceiling's high. And you could probably say it 
I think it is. It's a higher ceiling than Connor's, but Connor's been there for a year, like we said. It's such a crowded experience roster. There's there's no even if you can and these guys are talented enough, like why force them into anything? Yeah, no, don't don't throw anybody to the wolves. Let them let them understand what's happening here. And mm. one thing I like about Richmond is. It, I mean, it sounds cliche, but they're a team. I mean, everybody buys in, and they just kind of trust what's happening, and it's paying off. So, no, I think the freshmen we have coming in, they understand that. Connor will understand that. And, mm-hmm. again, to the fans, obviously, yeah, we would have liked to have seen maybe a little bit more Burton. But like you touched on, we it's an experienced team. Why, why throw a guy in when you have five guys out there that are – I mean, they're just mm. tight-knit. They, they know what's happening. Again, you want to develop players. But at the same time, you're trying to win games. So, no, mm-hmm. I, I love how Mooney handled uh, the Tyler Burton situation last year. And I have full confidence that he's going to do the same thing this year. Again, much larger scale. we got three, three different guys we got to work in. But I think everything's going to work itself out. Mm. So we obviously, like, had talked a lot about last year. Was there any potential for, for Tyler to – take over Nate's starting job. And obviously that, that worked itself out pretty, pretty uh, concretely. Something we haven't really talked about, which I think you and I will probably both agree on, but do you think there's any chance, like, is there a world where Isaiah Wilson takes off and takes Andre's role as, I'm not necessarily going to call him the backup point guard, he's kind of combo guard, but, but the first guard off the bench. Could you see that happening this season? Oh, hundred percent. No, he's flashy. He's quick. I mean, he, he mm-hmm. really reminds me he, he's, going to be Gilliard 2.0 for me until Gilly's gone. Um, mm. I'm really excited to see what he can do. Um, and, again, nothing against Andre, but I could definitely see that um, yeah. being a potential thing to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be more of a more of a, a defensive question, whether or not, because that's, that's the thing that does come with Andre. He's, he's a good, strong, long defender. So, but yeah, if Eze can go in there and, and be competent defensively, you know, there's, there's no reason, you know, the ceiling's there. We just don't know how quickly and – I, I, I don't think it's a real possibility only because of, as I said before, just the way Mooney is track record, especially with Tyler last year, even when he, he like if Isaiah goes in there and rips guys apart, he's just shown that like, he's still not going to give the guy 20 minutes. So I think only for that reason, but I think talent wise, he definitely could. Um, so, so our last segment kind of got a fun one going with this. We, uh, you know, everyone sees you on Twitter with your untapped, you put your badges out there. I know you are the, the resident beer connoisseur on, on this program. So I, I, I texted you like five minutes before the show. I really didn't give you any heads up at all, but it, I kind of just thought of it. Why don't, we, why don't we compare the starting five to different types of beers? Because why the fuck not? It's the offseason. What, what the fuck else are we going to talk about? Again, and when you sent that, it, it took me a minute to reply because I'm like, oh, man, like, well, let me really think on that. But yeah. I broke down the styles of beers and kind of thought about it, and it, mm-hmm. it makes sense. Beers have styles. Players have styles. So mm-hmm. let's, let's take a whack at it. All right. Starting off, uh, we'll go – yeah, we'll, we'll go in order. So let's start off with the one, the point guard, Jacob Gilliard. Uh, what, do, what do you got for him? Gilly is smooth. He's not smooth. He's crisp. I uh, don't want to say it's refreshing. That's kind of weird. But <laughs> crisp and smooth. Um, I'm sure you take it as a compliment. I would hope so. No, nothing, nothing weird here, uh, Blake. But no, he's a solid logger. I don't want to call him a Bud Light. I want to call him a okay. step above that. You know, I was at the beach for a long time. You know, I'm wearing wearing the hat right now. Land Shark Lager, smooth, mm-hmm. put a lime in it. That that's what I'm going with for uh, Francis. Just gets the job done. Got you. So so for Blake, smooth. You go logger. 
for Blake, I went with when I, when I think of Blake, I think of like the epitome of like toughness, right? Okay. And he's yeah. a, he's also like he's kind of a sneaky guy. Like I feel like he's the most likely to give you like a sneaky 17 to 20 points, right? Like he's that yeah. guy that can just like you just look at the stat sheet, you know, like it didn't feel like Blake was like super present in that game. He just had like 17, 20 points. Yeah. We talked about my experience with Allagash Black Stout on this program. <laughs> Much like Allagash Black Snout snuck up on me with a 9% beer and I didn't know it, Blake will sneak up on you and give you a quiet 17 to 20. So that is why I compare Blake to Allagash Black Stout. It's tough and it's sneaky. So that, that was my comparison. That's um, st- Staying in the backcourt, who you got for, for, uh, for Gilly? So you kind of talked about with Francis. If Gilliard, he's somebody, he'll pick your pocket without thinking twice about it. So he'll, he'll come up on you quick. You don't really think about it. You, you'll have two or three of these, and you are you don't know where you are. You don't know what's happening. He, he is a solid, dark and heavy stout. I'm talking like 12% stout. And, again, you hear that, you think of a big guy, 12% stout. But, no, yeah. he sneaks up on you. And before you even know it, that ball is out of your hands. and we got free two points. So he'll stink up on you like a nice strong stout. So that's what I got for Gilly. So I had, and, and I don't make this comparison in terms of quality of beer, but just hear me out. I said Miller Lite, and here's the reason. Gilly is consistent, and he, like, every game, he is that guy that's in, like, a Marcus Smart sense where it's just like he's just always affecting the game in a different way. But no matter what Gilly does on the stat sheet, he's affecting the game. Like he'll have six points, but he maybe gave you five steals. He gave you eight, eight assists. Yeah. Whether, no matter what the condition, the circumstance, like he's going to be there for you much like a Miller light. You can drink it in the summer. It's an appropriate outdoor summer beer. You can drink it in the winter with your friends. You know, a Guinness is kind of a winter beer, Corona light. You can drink it any time of the year, but like, it's more of a beachy summer beer. Miller light can drink it any time of the year. Why did I not say Bud light? Because fuck Bud Light. It's gross. I don't like it. So, and so like, when, you, when you first said Miller Light, I was like, what? But when you explained it, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Even as yeah. somebody that that drinks a lot of different craft beers, Miller Light's something I can always kind of fall back on. And yeah. I trust it. I kind of, I believe in, you know, what it can do. So, no, that that's solid. A plus. Thank you. Thank you. That, that means a lot coming from a beer guy like yourself. So, I appreciate that. <laughs> Next up, we got a uh, got a Nick Sherrod. We'll call him the guard, but we'll call him the three. Oh, see, that's a tough one. I'm I'm thinking of this on the fly. Sherrod, mm. I had to prepare. I don't have the beer knowledge like you. I had to prep this. Yeah, uh, now I wish I kind of would have. Um, he's streaky, uh, but he can score in a hurry. And man, this is tough. Nick Sherrod. Oh man. Um. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with a sour and hear me out here. Ooh, now, now, hear, hear me out. It sounds bad at first, but a sour you hear it and you're like, oh, it's sour. But again, hear me out. It is a solid, solid beer to have in the summertime. It's sweet. Again, it gets the job done. It might not be the smoothest or the flashiest going down but you drink it you feel fine and nick sherrod the man gets the job done i mean it, mm. it again there are games it seems like, it's like he can't find the bottom of the basket but when this team needs him he is there 
And that's kind of like me with a sour. If I'm kind of debating on what I want, a sour always sounds good. Mm. And you need somebody to hit a clutch three. I feel like Nick Sherrod's the guy. That's interesting. I'd be, I said the same thing. I said a sour beer. For Nick. Okay. Kind, of, kind of different explanation. So the way I thought about it is, you know, Nick's, Nick's not a facilitator. He's not a ball handler. He's a shooter. He's a three-point shooter. So from that, you know, kind of gave me like fruity, like white claw vibes and stuff. But I was like, like, that's not Nick though. Cause Nick's a, also a big guy. He's strong. He's tough. He'll bully you, you know, he'll go on the high post and, and hit you with that turnaround step back. He's, he's actually kind of a beast on the boards. So, so in, in that way, he's really tough and strong like a beer, but then obviously the sour, like I said, it kind of goes with like the shooting, like the kind of touch finesse guys. So he's kind of that in between, but at the end of the day, he's closer to a beer cause he is strong. Mm-hmm. And big, and he's not a dribble guy in terms of finesse. He's not like a layup package guy in terms of finesse, just the shooting. Closer to the beer than he is to the white claw. So I went with a sour beer. That, that's good. Yeah. Nick Sherrod is no white claw. <laughs> Nick Sherrod is definitely no white claw. <laughs> Up next, my, mine is going to be simple, per, pretty quick for this one. Uh, what, what do you got for Nate? Nate, you know, coming from Canada, thought about this one. I'm going to give him a Molson. You know, Molson is something. We're on the same do. page, two okay. two in a row. Look, I, I, whenever I go to a Caps game, I want to get the full hockey experience. I'm like, I'm gonna get a Molson. I, I want to get something Canadian. I want. I really want to feel what's happening. And again, it is solid. It gets the job done. Yeah. And I always come back for more. And Ko is that guy that once he gets going, he's hard to slow down. Mm-hmm. Nope, we're we're both on the same page there. Um, yeah, not not really much explanation to it. It's Canadian. It's it's, it's in the yep. blood. So uh, last but not least, we've got the big man down low, Grant Golden. What do you got for Grant? Grant, solid double IPA. I'm drinking a double IPA right now. <laughs> was drinking one. It is now uh-huh. gone. And if you're not paying attention, that thing will knock you down. And mm. Grant, I mean, from two years ago. He has gotten so much stronger. I mean, his game on the boards has improved tremendously. He'll knock you down. He's strong. You, mm-hmm. that's, that's the best I've got for him. So I, I had a little bit of a different take on this. I went with a Blue Moon. Okay. And I said it because of this. A Blue Moon, you know, it's a, it's a Belgian. It's a wheat beer. It's obviously much heavier than, than, a, than a light beer, but it's not as heavy as a double IPA. Grant lost like 10 or 15 pounds this year. Very He's true. a strong player and certainly plays stronger this year than he did last year. But at the end of the day, we think of him more as a, as a post-move footwork passer guy than we do as a bully down low. So he's heavier, but he's not, he's not a light beer, but he's not, I don't think of him as a heavy beer. Obviously, like I said, he's a good passer. He's kind of a finesse player. He's touch, and, and he's a consistent player. I think Blue Moon's one of the most consistent beers. I think much like the Miller Lite for light beer, for me, that's like a go-to. I say Allagash White slash Blue Moon. Like Those are like go-to. I'm like, I'm not really sure what I want. I'll go with those. And it's also got the hint of mango in it. If you like kind of the mango blue moon. And, and Grant's got a little pizzazz in this game. You know, he's a, he's a flashy. He likes to throw those backdoor passes, so a little splash of fruit. There. So I went with blue moon. Yeah, you, you definitely beat me that round. That, that, that was solid. That was a great – when you said blue moon, I was like, mm, okay. But, again, no. A plus. Yeah. Good job. And a little, little background. I did a little digging, too, because I, I saw him comment on, on someone's Instagram post. There, it was like a post about blue moon. And I saw Grant comment that company has never failed me before. So I kind of knew a little shout out. Oh, yeah. Assuming it's a favorite beer of his. I don't know, but I mean, it sounds like it is. So, so trying to, trying to stay, uh, trying to stay on brand there. You know, fun fact, that was my first, my first ever 
wink wink deer that I had when I was 21 mm-hmm. with a blue moon. So, mm-hmm. solid nice. maybe maybe that'll be my first beer. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't drank before, so. <laughs> I think uh, I think that's a good note to end it on. Uh, we may have started off with technical difficulties, but definitely a strong ending. Uh, awesome. Thanks again, man. Always a pleasure. Uh, hopefully we'll get some basketball starting up real soon, and uh, and uh, I'll be back down to Richmond and we can talk about it. Hey, man, of course. You know, you always got a place to stay. You need to come down. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. All right. Be good, my man. Good luck with, uh, good luck with school coming up. Thank you. Trust for me, now baby, tell the truth, you don't even fuck with me, what's up with me? The fleshy lights and all the sights, you always stuck with me, I knew it wasn't right, you love my life, just one hand phone with me, now I'ma take a flight and leave tonight, so you can't come to me, but won't be sleeping comfortably. Why do I got this hard, and I'm so hard, but it don't go far, cause it's in a hole. Baby, I ain't bitching, I ain't tripping, I'm still in this hoe, was married to the digits, started tripping when I hit the hoe. Why'd you say you love me? Mm-hmm. Got me reminiscing why I did it, can't forget the hoe. I knew you wasn't for me. A nigga could be blicking, but I'm spitting and it's hitting. I got my daughter back, and damn sure ain't get that shit back. No, I ain't callin' back. The gang gon' make sure he gets smacked. I speak the raw facts. Make that shit, no, I won't take it back. I keep on falling back. Repent that shit, now I'ma say that sad. Don't want no piece of me. This fuck for chalk, gon' put your wig. I keep that piece with me. See two, two, three, gon' flip your wig. Now what you see in me, little baby, just know this ain't what it is. So you'll be leaving me, and I be feeling wild like what I did. You not in love with me, but man, I fell in love with you. Look what you done to me. I knew you wouldn't make it through, and it get ugly. You lied to me like I'm a Buddha for you. Lost your trust for me, now baby. You don't even fuck with me, what's up with me? Can't get a buck from me, ain't get it out the mud with me Can't even thug with me, I always said you was cut for me Felt like you dubbing me and treat me like a wannabe You gon' see what I'm gonna be, don't put no one in front of me Don't put no one in front of me Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.